Hello, I'm Katie, host of the How to Empower podcast. This episode will look at how to empower you on the major issue that is menopause. Anne O'Neill, CEO of Adora Digital Health, joins us today and will share her thoughts on menopause and tell us a little bit more about her story and understanding. Rachel Hampton, partner at PwC, joins us to give her insight on menopause and share her story. Now, Anne, starting with you, can you share your story experience with menopause? You mentioned perimenopause, but anyone not familiar with this term, can you explain it in a bit more detail? Yeah, hi Katie, thanks very much for having me um, here to talk about this very important subject. Um, So yes, so you asked about the perimenopause. Um, Well, it's the bit really before menopause. It's it's, um, the the start of the menopause journey for women. And um, it's not a term actually that has been used that much up until very, very recently. So um, what we find is that women um, are really uneducated about perimenopause and confused about the symptoms that they experience. Um, But what's really happening is that the body is losing oestrogen, the ovaries are starting to misbehave. So some women will find they get very light periods or very heavy periods or for some months, no periods at all. So the body is starting to adapt and get ready to uh, for, for the menopause and it can that the age that it starts is roughly mid 40s but for some women it can be under 40 and for some women about five percent of women it can be under 45 and therein lies the problem really um, and one of the most important things that I want to say about the menopause is you'll have a thousand women and a thousand different journeys a thousand different experiences and that's really really key to understanding how we can support women through this uh, my, my story is actually quite a common story, um, and from talking to lots of women, um, I realised that I, I wasn't very unusual, be it I was um, surprised at how unprepared I was, how uneducated I was about the symptoms that I had, um, and how difficult it was for me to get any help. Um, my GP very, very helpful, but didn't actually understand that the symptoms I was um, experiencing, which were not the common ones, were actually due to a drop in oestrogen and due to my perimenopause starting. Um, And as I started to talk to other women, I realised that it's pretty much everyone's experience. You know, they come into sort of mid-40s, uneducated about the perimenopause, unaware and not really sure where they can go for help. Um, and that's why I ended up starting Adora Digital Help to try and be part of the solution to that. Well, thank you so much for coming today to tell us your story. It's really appreciated. And Rachel, could you share your experience with the menopause and why you wanted to start talking more openly about it? Absolutely. And I, and I think it's exactly how Anne said, you know, every story is different. Um, and I like was like most other women was quite unprepared. Um, I actually started perimenopause when I was 40. And for any woman turning 40, that's a big milestone, as you say goodbye to your 30s. But to then start to experience symptoms, I didn't know what they were, I couldn't explain them, didn't for one minute think it was a, a menopause type thing, because that's happened surely when you're 50 plus uh, in my head. Um, it was quite a surprise. And actually, it was quite a journey because I felt quite let down by my body, um, which is a silly thing um, to feel because actually my body is just doing a very natural thing. It's just moving into its next phase. Um, but it took me some time to recognise that's what 
I was struggling with. And then knowing that I wasn't the typical age, thought, gosh, I'm going to really struggle getting help here because there isn't a test that you can just take and say, oh, yes, you're perimenopause. It's not as easy as that. Um, so I did a bit of a science buff. So I did quite a bit of research on my own, but it was hard to come by. And as you say, um, and I went to the GP armed with, you know, some, you know, fac- frankly, facts and figures. And poor guy really didn't have an awful lot of choice, if I'm, if I'm t- totally honest. And he said, oh, yes, I think you are. And I was like, well, yes, that was the only answer you could possibly come up with. Um, and, and, and so we talked about then the options and what you could do, what you couldn't do. But he, he was probably less clued up than I'd been. Um, and so I found that was a familiar theme that I had to keep kind of, you know, being one step ahead of everyone else in order to be able to feel really empowered to make my own decisions about the choices of, of options to, to help with symptoms of perimenopause. I suppose, following up on your second question, why do I feel it's important to talk yeah. about? Um, and I haven't talked about it really for about six years. Um, so I've just given away my age. Um, <laughs> but but um, I feel important because women are leaving the workplace. Um, I, you know, I think it's 900,000 people have left the workplace because of menopausal symptoms. And frankly, that's such a loss to the economy. It's such a loss to the individual. It's such a loss to us as teams. All of that wealth of experience is just gone. Um, but actually, I think it's an economic problem, not just a you know women's health issue. Um, and I don't want people to feel fearful about moving into menopause. And so I'm going to try and be brave and talk about it. Um, Anne's already been doing lots of that, which is brilliant, um, just to open it up and make it a very normal conversation. Yeah. And, and it, I mean, it sounds like for both of your stories, a real theme of not knowing that much and not really knowing or being able to get the help you need, which kind of feels like a perfect introduction to the Adora app. Um, oh, yes. Lovely segue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's true. It, it, it's just confusing. Um, and GPs aren't actually trained uh, in medical school um, on menopause in any great way. Um there's, that's changing and there is a shift and it's going to be part of the uh, medical school agenda now. But it means you've got two, you've got both sides. You've got women who don't know what's going on and primary health care not really equipped um, to help, help women at this stage. So uh, that was the problem that I saw anyway. And I thought, OK, how do I help women? So my core drive here is how do I empower women? How do I give them the information they need? How do I give them the confidence they they need in order to try and manage this themselves or at least go into primary care armed with facts and figures and information so they can have an informed conversation with their GP. So the the Adora is um, it's a personalised menopause companion app. Um, it uses conversational AI. Uh, it's pretty clever. So the more you share with the Adora app, the more personalised the uh, advice we can deliver to women. So if you want to know about HRT, we can deliver the information on HRT. If you want to know about lifestyle changes, we can deliver that information. So it's not up to the women to wade through tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of literature or social media or Google searches. We deliver um, information to her at, at the time of need. And by doing that, the woman's more informed, she's better educated, she has more control over what's going on, and we can signpost her to treatment and to solutions um, much more rapidly, which has an impact on her health outcome, her, her, uh, her, you know, her well-being and her health. Um, and we can also talk about the taboo symptoms of menopause. So some of the things that are really difficult to talk about around the, the you know, for example, the incontinence or um, the 
um, sexual health issues that uh, women sit and tend to suffer with. Um, and so what we found in the Adora app is that women are able to find out about those symptoms and what they can do. And sometimes it's actually really simple to get a solution. It can be an over-the-counter product. Other times it might need a gynecological input, but at least they can go to their doctor then with the information they need printed out on a health report. And that um, takes that embarrassment away and that barrier away. So they're, they're moving into a treatment more quickly. And you kind of mentioned the, you know, the taboo. And I, I suppose my, my reflection, I'd be really interested to hear what you both think is now clearly there are certain symptoms I can understand you wouldn't want to talk about with everybody, but it sometimes feels like people don't feel comfortable talking about this at all, or don't feel that they're empowered to say, do you know what, this is my experience and mm -hmm. that's okay. And I can work with it as you talked about Rachel and I can thrive and I have amazing things mm. to bring to the workplace. I mean, does that resonate? It does. And I think there is a there is a fear, not just from women about talking about it, but a fear from people asking because they almost don't want to know the answer. I think they I think people immediately think they're going to go to taboo issues, if you will, or the more difficult conversations where actually they probably just want some understanding to start with, let alone get into the medical ins and outs. Um, but I think the more that we do talk about it, and, and I think of it as just another medical problem. It, you know, you, you talk about your COVID symptoms quite rap easily. You talk about a temperature you might have with COVID, and that's something you've talked about around the office quite a lot. But we can't talk about hot flush because everyone sort of looks at the floor slightly. Um, well, why can't we talk about hot flush? It, it is just essentially a very quick feeling of, of hotness, which is like a temperature. So when you think about it like that... Um, it, there shouldn't be any reason why we can't talk about it openly. Um, and even if the discussion is pointing you to something like Adora app where you've got all the more medical information in there or whether it's an understanding about, gosh, you know, I hear, you're, you know, it's about I'm having tr trouble getting prescriptions for what I need. You know, do you need some time out to to get that right? Do you need, as you're going through the stages of addressing um, all those initial symptoms to start with and making those lifestyle changes, sometimes you do, do need a bit more leniency in how your day might run or your start time, your finish time, etc. They're all really natural conversations to have. They don't need to be embarrassing. They're just factual. Um, and so, you know, I'd encourage us to talk more around the things we want to talk about and the things that are a bit more embarrassing that's fine you don't need to talk about that and no one's going to open up about that from day one mm. so you know just talk about the things that's going to help someone adjust to a, a, a new start of their life as you say i think the good news is um it is changing it, mm. there's more awareness there are more conversations there's government policy there's more social media chat there's more uh, headlines in in the papers and there's more policy in the workplace. When I started Adora, one of the first things I did was I rang up 20 companies and I said, what's your menopause policy? I don't think any of them had one. <laughs> and that was only three years ago. And that's, you know, that's all moved forwards. So it's encouraging that, um, that menopause is being discussed and, and that will reduce the sense of embarrassment that, um, mm. that, that probably does still exist. I mean, when I started this, it was talked about in hushed tones and that's not the case and that's just three mm. years. I kind of liken it to what happened with mental health as recently as sort of 2016, um, you know, mental health was, was still taboo in the workplace and that it's completely normalised mm. now and the policy and support that, that employees um, need exists in to, to 
pretty much to most um, in most places. And I think it's the same with gender health issues such as menopause. The conversations are started, policy is coming, the government have a task force, so it's all moving in the right direction. And I think, I mean, on that, and just one of the changes that we at PwC's made um, is is by actually listing menopausal symptoms as one of the sim- you know reasons that you can be off sick. Um, I, I know it sounds silly, but you, you you know by tracking these, you get a sense of the scale and what's going on and how how support is needed. Um, and then I just want to come back to your question, Anne, just a second. You know, I, I kind of I liken my experience, and I know it's not the same for every woman, but after that initial kind of God, goodness, this is what's happening to me, and then getting on top of the control of that. Actually, once I had that control, and it is about giving pe- women control back of their lives, frankly, um, I've got you know great life. You know, I've got you know so much to add. I've got so much to give, both at home and at work. Um, you know, I really feel like I think, you know, it's it's like an, another stage of my life. It's certainly not the end. Um, and so it isn't something to be f- um, fearful of. It's definitely something to be embraced and manage it in the way that's best for you, which is not going to be the way that is best for me or your sister or your friend, because we're all different human beings at the mm. end of the day. I just wanted to pick up on that point, Rachel. I'm really pleased that PwC have that reason for absence because a lot of companies don't. So that economic uh, impact is still not being recorded Mm. properly. And that will make a difference when employers understand the cost to business, the cost to GDP. That will make a big difference in how we treat this. So it's great your company's doing that because not everybody is. Um, And I I agree with you about there's, um, I think there's fear um, amongst amongst the younger younger people who are looking at the noise i suppose around mm. this on social media and worrying and i absolutely completely um support what you said it's it is manageable if people have if people understand what they're dealing with if they're getting to um advice quickly and easily then they can get back in control of their symptoms yep. and feel more like themselves which has been a struggle um, I think I read that it takes about two years for women to actually understand that they're in perimenopause, which is could be two years then of not feeling like themselves, of mm-hmm. withdrawing socially, of of having sort of um, some of the emotional symptoms of menopause, because fifty percent of women do experience things like heightened anxiety or low mood, um, and they're you know they can get back on track because it, it, it's if we really want to. Um, if we're really serious about gender parity and women at the top, we have to understand their health needs, their specific health needs, and we have to support them. And we can't lose women um, at, at this age, you know, sort of 45 plus, when for many of them, they're at their peak powers. Absolutely. And, and equally, um, you know, we, we, we as a society spend a lot of time on equal parenting and return to work. And then to think, gosh, in 20 years, we're not then putting as much emphasis on keeping people in work purely because of health concerns or, as you say, some of the emotional symptoms that come with it, which are, again, completely manageable, but needs the understanding that's facts and, and mm. as you say, those decisions, empowering women to make their own decisions, mm. essentially. And we, we've talked to hundreds of women over the last three years and... It, it's really saddening when you speak to somebody who could be, you know, senior nurse in A&E or could be a teacher, could be somebody who's got a professional background and they've stopped work because they haven't been able to get the right help. Mm. It, it's, it's, it's such a loss. It's a loss for women socially. It's a loss for women financially to, to quit work. Um, so if they want to be in the workplace, we must make sure they get the right support. 
And it's simple things. And sorry, Anne, I know you're kind of coming. I'll, let, I'll stop in a second. Um, it's simple things. And, um, you know, I'm pleased to say that, that I, I don't struggle with that because we have a wear what you want kind of policy where, you know, dress for your day policy. But if you're in a uniform type of um, a job um, or you've got a particular safety kit that you need to wear, then often that isn't made of natural fibres. It isn't the most giving material that actually is going to help support some of those fluctuations during the day. And that's actually really simple to fix. It's really practical and a really practical conversation to have with an employer, I should say, about some of the you know small switches <coughs> and small changes that need to be made. And you've given me the perfect segue to what I wanted to ask you. So it's, it's like we're on, we're on the same Synced. level here, yeah. <laughs> which is, you know, I work for PwC too. I know we've done loads of amazing things and we've really thought about this and you've given a few examples. I mean... Of all those things, are there one or two that you really think have the biggest impact and maybe that other organisations, big or small, could, could learn from? Yeah, so I've mentioned the simply having the tag, um, which is a really easy change on, on sickness days because that gives you, gives, it gives legitimacy to the female, right? And that's actually really important. They haven't got to pretend it's something else. So that's legitimacy plus an economic measure of exactly how many hours they're losing and therefore what, what do we need to do to help support women better. So I think that that's that's really that's really key. Um, but also um, some of the forums and sort of chat groups that we've, we've created, again, giving that sense of permission. I mean, not that permission needs to be granted, but giving people a safe space for people who have joined because they want to talk about this, um, to not only talk about things but learn, because this is all a knowledge journey. None of us ladies had any education about this as they came through school or through any kind of education system. We all have a fairly zero-based knowledge about this, which is terribly shocking if you think about it. Um, so, for example, um, I did attend one of the chat um, kind of presentations um, up in my local office actually up in Birmingham and um, you know the lady who came to speak there uh, was so knowledgeable about um, menopause and perimenopause um, that enabled me to then take that to get better for me better treatment than I currently had and so frankly if we hadn't done that I wouldn't have known and you know I wouldn't have probably pushed myself forward to make sure that I got the best treatment um so so yeah I think those 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 changes are really important but then I think there's probably more we can do I think I, think I can say that in terms of just opening the conversation up um as you say I really like the comparison to this is like the mental health um kind of conversations that we weren't having sort of you know seven mm. or eight years ago mm. I think I'm hoping that that will quickly pick up from a menopausal perspective mm. and they become much more open conversations that we start to have yeah and I th I think I mean you said earlier sort of just thinking practically about how you can support women because mm. every workforce is different and 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 jobs are different so what's right for one woman isn't going right, to be right for the next but opening up the conversation having policy so that it's legitimate so yes this is you know this is important to us as a workplace those things are the starting point and they're really important having places for women to get support having training for line managers because I, I think pretty much everybody wants to do things right they want to have a respectful conversation they don't want to pry they don't want to go into areas that they can't help with like medical issues and there's no need for women to reveal things um, that they mm. don't want to relieve so all of those things are important but I also think it's important to look at what the innovations are in digital health services for example apps like the Adora app 
there are other apps as well but you know when you've left the building what is supporting women with the symptoms when they wake at three in the three in the morning with their night sweat or when you know their anxiety is heightened what are the things that are that a workplace is has on hand for those women so it's not just about training because you know women are in menopause for a third of their lives and in that that you know, we started this conversation talking about perimenopause. That's the time when it can be most troublesome for women because it's when their yeah. hormones are quite chaotic. So it's like, what have you got in place for women to support? So they can help themselves, I think. That's what I would say to employers. And we've talked about employers, but I suppose I'm also wondering, you know, what advice would you give to a listener on what they can do as an individual, whether that's, you know, a man for his partner or his sister or his um, mother, uh, what would you suggest? I, I think, I mean, my experience, again, is men really, or partners really want to understand um, what's going on because they can, they're, they're, it's not just about women in menopause, it's about everybody around them. Um, and so I've had conversations with men, who, you know, who have talked about um, their wives emotionally being distant at this time and ha and what's going on. And so just explain to them about how, you know, many women experience sort of emotional symptoms and men partners definitely want to help they they definitely know something's not quite right and they definitely want to support and be helpful and that's all about education and then understanding and having conversation in a way that works for that uh, for that couple it also impacts on children and teenagers mm. <laughs> they also notice when their mums aren't quite themselves um, so we've had lots of conversations about that and we had a young Bristol University student go out and do some research and it was really interesting to hear how the kids had picked up how mum was different at home or just wasn't herself and so it is something that impacts everybody and we do all need to get educated I would use that word really education on what's going on and how you can help people around you. I think that's right and I, and I think it because of the age it happens it often happens when a woman's got both family commitments and elder care commitments, plus plus a, a job, <laughs> as it were, or a career. And so, you know, being able to understand, you know, what would actually help you? You know, you, know you, you didn't sleep well for the last week. Actually, can I take some things off your plate whilst you just get a nap? You know, there's some really simple things as a, as a, as a, as a good partner, or a good, you know, or good son or a good daughter could actually help with very practically. Um, and I think from, a, you know, if you're having the conversation in a workplace, you know, it, it needs to be around things that are, are practical again. So, you know, it, 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 do you need to leave a bit earlier today? Do you need to come in a bit later? Do you just want to work from home for the next couple of weeks because you're settling into a new routine, for example? Um, you know, they're all very practical conversations that, uh, that I think are helpful. But then also to be guided by the female, you know, don't assume, I think, like anything, like with, with any kind of problem, don't assume what's needed. Um, just ask um, and make yourself available. So it might not be something today, it might not be something in six months, but there might be something in 18 months that might come up that you still want to feel like you can have an open conversation about. And I think they're really helpful kind of practical examples because just thinking earlier on what you sort of said, well, there's a lot of focus on when women have children and return to work. And I think, um, so I'm in my mid-30s, I have a toddler. And I think when I came back to work, everyone knew I wouldn't be sleeping well. Mm. And so, of course, he'd say, you know, don't worry. But no one would say that. They wouldn't think about that exact same issue with sleep for women later in life. And, and that's just a great, really practical example which kind of can turn a switch to say, oh, yeah, 
I get that now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and as Anne says, that lack of sleep could be because of, of night sweats. It could be because your hip bones absolutely ache for no apparent reason. Mm. Um, it, it could be because the anxiety has woken you up mm. and actually you can't get back to sleep. And you've got a billion things running through your head. So it's not even as simple. It isn't just a, just, you know, take a paracetamol, it'll be all fine. It's not that simple. Um, and I think that's uh, the complexity of this all. So we're all about empowering our listeners. So for those listeners out there, um, if you could give them two things as an employer and as an employee that they could really do to support. As an employer, I would say if you've not been having a conversation about menopause, then you need to start. Um, And that could be as simple as running a focus group. Let's understand, you know, what would help um, your employees, um, what they might already been doing, um, and you know, just open the conversation up would be a really practical thing, and then that will then lead lead you into next steps in terms of what then is appropriate for you and your workforce, um, because every situation is different. So I think that would be my my first you know call to action. If you're not doing it, start. Um, and then as an employee or a colleague of someone who might be um, you know potentially going through perimenopause because you might not know that is you know like anything else just be a really good ally of theirs so if you notice someone feeling a little bit off in a meeting you know offer them a glass of water you know take a time out for five minutes as a group don't make it about the individual make it about a group time out um as well as simply you know if they're just not quite themselves just have a conversation it doesn't need to be oh you must be in the perimenopause um it could be just i noticed you weren't quite yourself um and you know that would just open up a conversation i'm sure they would really appreciate just even the nod that they'd been noticed they weren't quite feeling too good um so i think that allyship is 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 really really key yeah, I mean, it's not that I don't have my own ideas, but I just think I agree with Rachel, you know. <laughs> I Sorry. Think, <laughs> I think she's absolutely spot on. If, if I'm an employer listening and um, I haven't done anything, I would definitely start the conversation. Yeah. Um, I would also probably tally up how many women around the age of 40 and then on do I ha- actually have in my organisation? Mm. Because when I call in, uh, companies, they often don't have a clue. They don't have the data. So mm. that's one of the first things I ask them to go and work out. And they come back and they're surprised how many women they have over 40 in their organisation. I'm not surprised because it's the fastest growing demographic in the workplace, but they often are. Um, and that's when they start to think more seriously about mm. it. And that can lead to policy. I think policy to legitimise this is really, really yeah. a good starting point as well. And then I think as an employee, I think if you, if you don't have a kind of support group in the workplace, start one. Uh, and if there is one, maybe join it. Because I think mm. it's great to just share stories and get that validation and understand that what you're going through probably most of the other women are going through. And, and women are brilliant at supporting themselves. Um, so even, as I said at the beginning, you know, it's a very personalised experience, menopause, but it's a, a collective experience. Mm. So you can get a lot of support from other women. I think that's great, actually. It's really quite a, a bonding sisterhood type set situation because every single woman's going through it. Yeah, um, it, yeah it is. It is. That's a definite plus that comes out of it, that kind of sisterhood bond that yeah. you get with others um, that, are, that, that are of a similar age. Yeah, agree. Well... As we draw to a close, I have one question that we're asking everybody in in the podcast this se- season, um, which is, what makes you feel empowered? 
don't know who wants mm. to go first. It's, it's a tricky one because we're looking for something amazing and insightful. And I know you both have it because you're both, you've made, <laughs> you've made me feel empowered today. I mean, thank you, Rachel, for that positive story. Like, you know, I know I will be experiencing menopause in the future. So to hear you talk about the positives and how it can be empowering is amazing. But what makes you both feel empowered? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I think that, you know, I feel empowered because I, you know, have got blessed with a wonderful family. I've got a wonderful career both behind me, but ahead of me. So I've got loads more that I can do and want to do. Um, and, you know, I, I'm lucky enough that in many ways I can talk about these things quite openly. Maybe, I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm not shy enough. <laughs> I should, <laughs> should think about that. Um, and so, you know, I, I do feel empowered to, to do so much more with my life. I don't feel like I should in any way be apologetic for being here because just because I'm in perimenopause or that I'm in any way done, as it were, which is awful, a terrible expression that, yeah. that people say. And you'll, you'll see a lot in the press that, you know, when women get to a certain age, they feel irrelevant. They feel that they're ignored in society. Um, and uh, I think it's up to us to, to put that right. You know, you, we're, not, we're not here to be ignored. We're here with lots of years of experience, with some really valuable life lessons, and we've got so much to give um, that, that we're going to give it. Yeah, I mean, it's a really good question. I suppose empowerment comes from within, doesn't it? And I think for me, I started Adora uh, when I was in my perimenopause. Um, I had a big break from my early career, um, came back to the workplace uh, after eight years of being at home with my children, found it extremely difficult to find senior flexible work um, because at that stage, believe mm. it or not, employers just weren't offering that. Um, and I knew I had so much more to give. Um, you know, two or three years after that, uh, when I realised how bad and how underserved women were uh, at this stage of life, it became my mission to do something about it. And I suppose I've been empowered and I am driving this forwards, really, because I don't think it's right. I think that women um, should be should be uh, in the workplace if that's what they want to be doing and I think um, if they're concerned about their health and their well-being um, and they don't easily get the help and the support that they need they can't really be that empowered so let's let's mm. make sure that's all sorted out and then then let's sit back and watch what they can do love that that's brilliant <laughs> I was gonna say I feel like we've got a call to arms to change the world which is amazing 100%. yeah <laughs> Well, that brings us to the close of another episode of the How to Empower podcast series. This has been a great conversation. I'd like to thank Anne and Rachel for their time and for sharing their stories and thoughts. To you, our listeners, if you'd like more support, you can visit the Adora website or speak to your GP. Thank you so much for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with future episodes.